0: From the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
1: Out of the gates,
0: ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kuharski joins us in an hour with live updates from Malik Willis and Traylon Burke's debut in the NFL with the Tennessee Titans at rookie minicamp. Shane Beamer, the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks football program, with us coming up in an hour and 15 minutes from right now. Plus, Brent Hubbs of allquest.com talks SEC, NIL, and much, much more. Chad, we are outside today in the Beer Garden, the Friday Outdoor Series at 6th and Peabody. Beautiful day in the Music City. Hope it is as everyone is listening and viewing going into the weekend. Jam-packed show today. How are
1: we? Doesn't get much better than this, Hutton. Looking around outside. Great crowd on hand here at 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville. I will say, though, and I know you asked me this question yesterday, for those out there that suffer from allergies all over the country, you know what we're talking about right now. I uh, just started last night watching the recent film Dune, a sci-fi epic. And in Dune, they're on a planet where everything in this environment attacks them (laughs) and they have to wear these suits that have cold water running through it just to survive in this desert hellscape. Nashville, Tennessee right now is a hellscape in mid-May of allergies. So much so that I will not be removing these sunglasses from my face all day because my eyes are a wreck. (laughs) You look like that. I am allergic to everything. And when everything is flaring up like this right now in Nashville, <laughs> and I know that you feel my pain also and others do as well, it leads to a really bad times. You so, look like
0: that new uh, that, the app on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but it makes its way to Instagram like two weeks later that makes you look like you're sobbing when you're really yeah. perfectly fine or happy. That's me. Uh, that's what your eyes look like right now.
1: Most days I just cry on the inside. Yeah, that's it. Today uh, I cry today, on the outside.
0: Today the it's, allergies have Chad crying. Um, we will uh, certainly not be doing that here today outdoors because we've got the 360 specialty drink here at Sixth and Peabody. Oh, yes. It is the blackberry margarita moonshine mix. Cheers, Chad. Cheers. Cheers to you, Paul, as well. He will be joining us at three o'clock with the latest on Malik Willis, no Traylon Burks and out others. Yeah, no no t- straws. Give us your rule on straws and drinks.
1: So I was in college and my cousin, David, I was working for him in Atlanta and we were at a bar one night and I had a straw in whatever I was drinking, a rum and Coke or I don't know, it was 2002, who knows. But I, in my drink, I had a straw and he took me aside and he said, now imagine that you're making eyes with a young lady across the bar and you're hitting it off and you're flirting from a distance and then that young lady, and I'll give a visual for those watching and tell you about it, the young lady sees you do this from across the bar. And you go in and Can you take your sip uh, out of the straw. And, and you then... go down and you sip the straw. Do you think that that would excite her? <laughs> do you think that that would make her like you? And my answer was absolutely not. Nope. And he said, for that reason, whenever you're handed a cocktail, you take the straw out, you throw it away, and you move forward. And that's what we do on this show, Hutton.
0: We have the schedule release for the NFL, the, the highly anticipated NFL schedule Uh, officially announced yesterday around 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern on NFL Network. Uh, Great job all the way around by all the teams, the social media departments. Uh, For my money, the Carolina Panthers crushed it above everyone else, but we'll get details on that in a moment. But the week one schedule starts with the marquee matchup on Thursday night, the first game of the season, the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Buffalo Bills. And I had mentioned earlier this week, Chad, You were out, but I mentioned with uh, with Paul, normally, traditionally, the NFL shies away from a team going back-to-back weeks in prime time. Buffalo will host the Tennessee Titans in week two on Monday Night Football. I thought that would remove them from consideration for Thursday night opener on the road against the Rams. It does not. Buffalo's in prime time, back-to-back weeks to begin, and that's a marquee matchup right out of the chute with Josh Allen taking on Matthew Stafford in both offenses.
1: I I love this game, and I love the fact that you get Buffalo. I mean, we talk about a national darling now with Josh Allen. Back-to-back weeks, as you said, against the defending champion Rams and then going home to face the Titans on Monday Night Football. Uh, Terrific opening slate. They traditionally start with the Super Bowl champion on that Thursday night game, and they unveil the rings and everything else, the banners for that Super Bowl champion. But to start it that way with Rams and Bills is terrific. And let me say this about the schedule release from yesterday. I asked Armando Salguero about this. What's better for the fan, leaving everything mysterious, having everything unveiled that night for that show, or having things leak out and teams do their own videos and everything else? Um, I come away from last night a little bit torn. Uh, I was coaching my daughter's softball team, so didn't watch the, the unveiling live or any of that broadcast. But I went back today, and we're going to talk about this, watched every team's personal unveiling of their their schedule. I like that part of it, Hutton. I also really like the idea of a selection Sunday-type broadcast where it's a mystery to everyone, even the teams. I would love to go and have a few teammates watching together when their schedule's announced or go to the coach live as he gets the reaction to the schedule, and he's seeing it for the first time. I know we're not in a place to do that right now, but I did come away from last night almost yearning for that type of broadcast and seeing a mystery reveal for everyone at the same time. But when you see this opening week and you see that first game on a Thursday night, you can't help but get excited about some NFL football.
0: Other big matchups, the Sunday night football game. There is a reason that the Dallas Cowboys are on primetime all the time. They pull 40 million viewers. They did it last year on Thursday night where the Buccaneers face Dallas at home at Raymond James Stadium as the defending champs. Now they will open up on Sunday night football at home hosting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is in week one right out of the gate. Sunday early window. New Orleans takes on Atlanta. Cleveland at Carolina. Chicago hosts San Francisco. Cincinnati will welcome Pittsburgh. Philadelphia on the road against Detroit. Houston and Indianapolis will uh, meet up in Texas. Miami and New England meet for the second consecutive year in week one. Plus, the Jets will host the Ravens, and the Jaguars are on the road against Washington. That's the early afternoon slate. Late window on Sunday. Kansas City, Arizona. Chargers against the Raiders. Vikings against the Packers. And the Titans host the New York Giants. Um, a lot of divisional matchups in Week One. You'll see the same in Week 18.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't love the divisional matchups in Week One. I understand the reasoning for it in Week 18. Uh, I'm way more drawn to you know games like we just discussed with the Bills and the Rams in Week One. Even Titans Giants in late afternoon game is more interesting to me than let's say Colts Texans that we saw there in Week One. I understand the reasoning for it, and it is nice. From a scheduling standpoint, if you're the the main guy in the NFL office, the the scheduler, to get one of those division games out of the way first for spacing. You know, we saw this with a Titans schedule that features games against the Colts really close together, you know, I think two and three or four weeks almost back-to-back with a game in between. I don't like that, so I I understand wanting to get one of those divisional matchups out of the way early, but I'm always more drawn to those more unique matchups you get in week one. The
0: Sunday night football schedule, we mentioned week one of Sunday night with the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll take a look at Sunday night as well. And one thing you're going to notice is throughout a lot of these primetime matchups, the New England Patriots, there's a scheduling quirk. The Patriots are scheduled to have four primetime games in a row this season from weeks 12 to 14, weeks 12 to 15, excuse me. Vikings on Thanksgiving followed by the Bills, the Cardinals, and the Raiders. We will get a lot of Bill Belichick and Mac Jones in the month of November and early December. But you see the Sunday night football slate. Green Bay and Chicago, the Bears have a big national draw. Uh, They're on the road at Lambeau Field in week two. We won't go through all these, but the first month of the primetime matchups are massive. Denver hosts San Francisco, where we could see Trey Lance on the road against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson and we should also throw in there the big one in week four last year in week four week four's matchup was Tampa Bay on the road at New England was it week four or week five it was right out of the shoot. and this year the mega matchup is Tampa Bay hosting Kansas City on Sunday night football October 2nd
1: yeah that that's the one that's the one that every national headline circled Right when you saw that, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady rematched the Super Bowl from two years ago that Tampa Bay won. Um, look, when you're talking Sunday night football lineup, you know you're going to get big-time matchups. I don't love Packers-Bears in week two that early, but it does get the Bears out of the way on the national window. Um, but, yeah, I, Bucks Chiefs. That's going to be everything that we bargained for. And
0: let's keep this graphic up as we continue, because I want to mention late in the season how the schedule makers go about this and what makes sense. Indianapolis and Dallas in week 13, first week of December, as you start to really position for playoff races. That's massive in the NFC and AFC. Meanwhile, Denver will host Kansas City in primetime in December in a divisional matchup. Arizona Tampa Bay late in December and the final game before we get to week 18 I say the final game because week 18 is a flex schedule game so week 17 New Year's Day Chargers Rams the two LA teams in massive divisional matchups for the NFC and AFC that could determine a lot for playoff positioning right there
1: well how about Christmas Day and New Year's Day Christmas Day night you've got Bucks in Arizona and then you mentioned January 1st, you got the Battle of L.A. with the Chargers hosting the Rams. Um, I love the late schedule here with Sunday Night Football, really starting with Chargers 49ers, which I think is a terrific matchup on November 13th. But getting that Cincinnati-Pittsburgh divisional game, Green Bay-Philly, you mentioned Colts-Cowboys, they're really stacked starting, I think, mid-November through the end of the year, highlighted by Christmas Day night, yes, January first night, Bucks, Cardinals, Rams, Chargers. Monday Night Football, where
0: we see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman make their debut uh, in early September. We certainly know the double headers that will be played in in Week Two of this schedule, but marquee marquee matchups throughout. Russell Wilson will open up this slate on Monday Night Football on the road in Seattle, back where he uh, went and, and began his career and went to two Super Bowls, 1-1 with the Seattle Seahawks. He now returns September the 12th on Monday Night Football uh, to begin his first season with the Denver Broncos. Doubleheader in Week 2 includes the Titans and Bills, Eagles hosting the Vikings, Um, and then later on, Rams 49ers, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, all back-to-back-to-back divisional matchups that will help determine how things get set up here through the first half of the season
1: yeah well i mean you struck gold with the first one right if you're debuting a new broadcast team and you've got russell wilson's return to seattle oh but hey let, let me add an addendum this could
0: also be baker mayfield starting for the seattle seahawks that's why you take seattle early you don't know the quarterback situation but it really doesn't matter it's a bonus if they make a quarterback decision other than what they have
1: I mean, I see a full day of ESPN coverage of Russell Wilson leaving the team hotel. Russell Wilson arriving at the stadium. (laughs) a Baker Mayfield possibly arriving at the stadium. Analysts down on the field getting ready for the game. I mean, this is a 24-hour build-up from Sunday night football on into Monday night when you get that type of rock-solid, not game necessarily, but storyline with Russell Wilson returning to Seattle. That is huge. For week one huge for joe buck and troy aikman in their first game at espn also Uh, but once again i mean you're going to really nitpick we're going to go through some of the thursday night games at some point and say okay that's a a throwaway that's one where they had to get a team their mandatory one national game and they decided to kill two birds with one stone but we're talking sunday night football monday night football it's tough to find bad games in this past.
0: well and chad here's what makes the monday night football schedule great Look at all the divisional matchups throughout this schedule. You can get in November where the 49ers face the Cardinals. ESPN claimed a lot of these games that will factor into the entire playoff race and storyline of the year. Eagles hosting the Commanders uh, later in the schedule. Saints on the road against Tampa Bay. Um, and, and that continues throughout here. But early on, the divisional matchups, especially in the AFC West with the quarterback play, Full display on Monday Night Football in our first season on Thursday Night Football with uh, Amazon taking control there. Al Michaels and Kirk Herb Street. by the way, is fired up for this and all the interviews I heard him do. And he was with Rich Eisen yesterday on NFL Network. Um, great slate of games here, which is normally just a bunch of divisional matchups and throwaway matchups and games. There's a couple here on Thursday night, but for the most part, Chad. Um, the the keep, keep in mind, the local affiliates with these teams in the, in the host cities will have an opportunity to bid on these games and carry these games locally. So, for instance, here in Nashville, the Titans Thursday night football game against Dallas or against Green Bay will be aired locally uh, on TV as well as Prime Video. Elsewhere, you have to go to Prime Video to watch these games, but... Uh, September 15th, Thursday Night Football, Chargers at Chiefs. Must watch. They get the return of that game from the playoffs last year.
1: I was shocked, Hutton, to see that I had to go all the way down to October 13th to find a true throwaway game. You look at those first five weeks and five games. Bills, Rams, Chargers, Chiefs, Steelers, Browns, Dolphins, Bengals, yep. Colts, Broncos. I'm going all the way down to the Washington Commanders in Chicago to take on the Bears to say, okay, that's the typical Thursday night game that's unappealing, but we'll still watch because it's NFL on a Thursday night. But to get to that point in the season and go all the way to mid-October before you find one of those games, that's a win for Thursday night football. A couple of notes.
0: Uh, Amount of primetime games by team. Half the league can boast that they are on a ton of primetime matchups. There's a lot of outlets to go to and select from here. Uh, There are five... Uh, Teams with with five primetime games, normally you get five or six teams this year. Cincinnati, the L.A. Chargers, the L.A. Rams, Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers, primetime five times. Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs, all in primetime five different times throughout the season. Teams with four. Tennessee, Indianapolis, Las Vegas, and Arizona. So of those teams, that's your upper tier, upper crust of what the networks want to pull a rating. Um, teams with just one.
1: That's half the league right there, half right? Half the league. 12 and then four. Half with the league with games, plenty yeah. of
0: storylines that are compelling. Um, you've got the Jets, the Giants, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Panthers, and Atlanta all with one primetime game, and that's the Thursday night prime video aspect of this. Detroit is listed as having zero primetime games. They have the Thursday Thanksgiving Day game, which doesn't count for the primetime aspect of this conversation. But they would count in as having one national televised game on, on Thanksgiving Day. Other than that, the rest of the league has two or more.
1: How thankful do you think the league and the networks are that Detroit has the constant Thanksgiving Day game? <laughs> I've always thought about that. And they, and they just, think, what a break. Yeah. You know, what a break. The, the the losing is franchise currently in the NFL just happens to have that national game on Thanksgiving every year. We don't have to worry about it. 11 a.m., they're going to kick off in Detroit. Everybody's going to be happy. They're going to be getting ready for their Thanksgiving feast with their family. And we get to get the Lions game the hell out of the way. And everyone's excited about that. You know the league just loves that, I, especially the networks. You, you can
0: see the betting that's going on here amongst the, the networks, Chad. Cleveland. The Browns with Deshaun Watson have two primetime games. That's it. So that's the network saying we're not sure if he's actually playing or not the entire season. And because of that, they didn't select the Browns. Now, I also think Brady coming back affected the Browns' primetime slots personally because I think the next team, if you're looking for the next team other than the Bucks, that would get the primetime slot, to me the storylines are with the Cleveland Browns.
1: I'm surprised it didn't take more from a team like the Titans with Brady coming back. Um, I'll also say I'm shocked that Pittsburgh got as many as they did. I just don't find them that appealing. Well, they draw. They draw. That's why, it's that's a, it's why an, the Bears are on so it's many a, times. It's a national brand. I understand that. But, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett this year at quarterback, that doesn't really get me that excited.
0: Well, I mean, neither does the Chicago, for that right. matter, New Orleans, but they're on at least three times, I believe, throughout. A couple of quirks. With the schedule the bears speaking of the bears um they are at home the entire month of december they will not play a single road game in the month of december that's the first time the bears have had this type of home schedule since 1964. it's been a while you have to go back a ways and for whatever reason uh the league picked this schedule and the bears benefit from that they don't have to leave Soldier Field, and that should benefit them given the weather conditions that time of year.
1: Absolutely. I mean, what a huge break to get that game. I'm looking at certain divisional, you know, Patriots-Dolphins comes to mind when the Dolphins have to go to Foxborough in December. Yeah, That's a great benefit for the Patriots. That's what they're going to get this year. But for the Bears to line up home game, home game, home game, home game over the course of that month is a huge huge benefit to the Bears.
0: The NFL rewarded the Cincinnati Bengals heavily after just one primetime game last year. They now have five, which is the maximum. They will start their primetime slate Thursday night football against the Miami Dolphins in week four. Also, you'll see Joe Burrow in primetime at Baltimore on Sunday night football in week five. Week eight at Cleveland on Monday night football. Week 11 at Pittsburgh on Sunday night football. And week 17 at against the Buffalo Bills for Monday Night Football. That could be potentially seeding purposes, you know, one, two, three seed, or a wild card or a one seed, that kind of thing, by week 17. Joe Burrow, the national brand, and the
1: smaller markets like Cincinnati will be on full display. Let's say Deshaun Watson plays most of the season. Who's the best team in that division with Cincinnati? I mean, I would say Cincinnati's still the front and the favorite, but it's close, right? When you look at Baltimore, Cleveland, I'm putting Pittsburgh a bit behind them. Yeah, but those three teams. I mean, that's going to be a that's that's an underrated division to me to follow. It was
0: Week 13 or Week 14 of last year. We could have seen three playoff teams from that division last year, and we know how bad Ben Roethlisberger was. The Steelers were in the playoffs in Week 13 last year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see two, although the AFC West is going to play a huge factor in that now. So you could only see one team from this division get in the postseason Which because of the AFC West.
1: When you see those teams, it's crazy to think.
0: Um, and we should also factor in a healthy Lamar Jackson. It's a complete toss-up. They don't get enough discussion for best division, really. I, I mean, I, part they should of me be mentioned also that. thinks
1: that Cincinnati's going to have a bit of a Super Bowl run hangover I still think they're good and they're set up for long-term success, but I see them taking a step back a little bit this year, and by taking a step back makes that division even more interesting because you're not going to have one team run away with it.
0: So we knew the Chiefs had the toughest slate of games based on win-loss record from a year ago. Wait until you hear the first half of their schedule for Kansas City. We already know their divisional matchups, but beyond that – the NFL schedule makers did Mahomes and company no favors. So we'll get into that. Plus, Chad, coming back, we will also discuss the comments made by John Skipper, uh, former head of ESPN, who is now with Meadowlark, who says that only Charles Barkley is worth tuning in for, specifically to hear an analyst talk about the sport they're covering. We discuss that and much more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Live on a beautiful Friday afternoon at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kaharski joins us in roughly 30 minutes as he will give us the update on Malik Willis' debut in the NFL at minicamp with the Tennessee Titans. Again, that's coming up at the top of the hour. Chad, I'm going to run through the first half of the Kansas City Chiefs schedule. Because I think all the sports betters out there, all of the you know, the the Monday morning quarterbacks, media members, for that matter, coaches across the NFL, college football, we would all say you can you can put the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, right?
1: You would say that until you get into the schedule okay. you're about to lay out. Yes.
0: So they have they open Uh-oh. the season. They are the first NFL team in history. To open a season against eight straight opponents who made the playoffs the previous year. Let me run through this. You just tell me win or loss. Okay. Week one at Arizona. Win. Home against the Chargers. Win. At Indianapolis. Win. At Tampa Bay. Loss. Home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Win. The Raiders beat them last year. Bills. Bills. At home in in Arrowhead, I'm going to say loss at San Francisco. Loss. <laughs> now we've reached their bye. Then they host the Tennessee Titans. Win. Okay, coming off the bye. Yeah. So that's still insane. Now keep in mind, last year they started extremely slow. They were three and five, I think, out of the, the to begin the season. Then went on that stretch run, uh, maybe a game below 500. Um, I'm getting, maybe not giving them enough credit, but people are out on them. After the month of September. If we were out on them then, based on this stretch and without Tyreek Hill, people will lose their minds if they lose out of this stretch run to begin.
1: I mean, it is a a juggernaut of a schedule, uh, start to finish. Now,
0: before people, I know people will chime in, oh, but you can't, of course, we're not factoring in injuries here. We're basing it off of what we know today. That yeah, is, and and that's we get tough. to the
1: season, and someone's going to be bad that we thought was good, or sure. two teams will, and someone that we think's an easy game right now is going to be difficult for the Chiefs. So we, we, we all know that.
0: the I, I hate the scheduling quirks that include divisional matchups in recent, like in proximity of recently played. For instance, the Titans will play the Colts twice within a three-week span, a 20-day span, I believe from, like, week four to week six, something, and that's coming off a bye week. Not not pleased with that. I, I don't like that. Um, and that's not just because we're in Nashville. And the other example would be the New York Giants. The Giants, Chad, will face the commanders on the road. They'll then have a week 14 bye and then come off the bye week and face the commanders again at home. I don't know why the NFL does not try to avoid this more often than they do. Every year, multiple teams will play divisional opponents, Within a month span, and to me, the the genius behind the the, the two time um, the, the double matchups in the division, uh, home and away, is a lot can change over the course of a season. And so you get a team that you play through the first half of the season, you play them again maybe on the road in the second half of the season, and the odds have changed either in your favor or, or not. Injuries play a factor. It's very difficult for that to happen over a 3 week span. The teams that you face are pretty much the same team.
1: Well, another downside is it's almost I feel like the AFC South could be over by that 21 day stretch. Yeah, it could be. If one team is 2 and 0, well
0: the Titans face three teams in their division in well, three matchups, twice against the Colts, once against the Texans within like the first 7 weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, just if it's if one team is 2 and 0 and that they don't split it feels like it could be nearing the end already that early in the season, which is crazy to think about. And Hutton they have to try to avoid that. Is it unavoidable? I mean is it I don't completely know if it's unavoidable, unavoidable? Is, it, is but it one we, of those that like, you're have two of those little bit of a little bit of those little
0: bit of a little bit of so. But what, uh, another of quirk that I don't understand, it, it, it could a with one team. It's happened twice now this year, and that's with the Jets and the Ravens. They will open – the Jets open the season playing every team in the AFC <clears> – <throat> excuse me, in the AFC North. I got you. <clears throat> allergies, me.
1: man. It'll get you every we need time, a, time. Yes, you. it's yeah. – uh,
0: need a cough button. And then the Ravens, They they then face every team in the AFC East over a four-week stretch.
1: Yeah, that's – look, I feel like it's such a bad quirk in the schedule when you have division opponents going back-to-back that short amount of time that it has to be unavoidable. Because the NFL is pretty smart about how they do things. I don't get it. And, and you're right, it's a disadvantage because of how different teams can be in different yes. parts of the season that you play in the same part of the season, a divisional opponent, get both games out of the way so early. I, I don't like it. Chad did take the sunglasses off. I did. They may go back <clears> on at some point, but I decided to try them without. We'll see so how it goes.
0: Is, is Barkley the only commentator worth the, worth the price tag? I don't even know what Barkley makes from Turner.
1: Well, so John Skipper, and it wasn't even about money. John Skipper, former president of ESPN. Well, it
0: is about money, if you really think about who's tuning in to listen to people.
1: Well, what I say is the comment from John... His comment's
0: not about money. The, com- yeah. the
1: comment from John Skipper wasn't about the money. I don't know how much Charles Barkley makes. It wasn't about the money that Charles Barkley makes. He was asked by Dan Patrick, is Tom Brady worth $37 million a year? A 10-year, $375 million deal. And he said... I don't think so, and ESPN probably wouldn't have paid him that. Yeah. But he then went on to say, I think that there's only one commentator, broadcaster, that people tune in to see, and that's Charles Barkley. Hudden, I think what we have here, it's two separate conversations. People tune into to talk shows all the time. People tune into studio shows, pregame shows all the time, and those shows consist of commentators. So... If you're watching that, if you're watching us at any point during the week, you are in part tuning in for yes. a broadcaster or commentator. There's no, look, there's cornhole going on behind us right now. If you're watching at six and Peabody, but that's not a sport a lot of people watch. You're watching analysis. You're watching discussion. You're listening to analysis. You're listening to discussion. So, I don't buy John Skipper saying no one will tune in to an individual personality broadcaster, commentator, however you want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Now. The separate discussion is, aren't people going to watch that big game on Fox that Tom Brady's a part of no matter what? What is the added value of Tom Brady being (laughs) a part of it when they're calling the game? That's the same thing about Tony Romo's money that he's making with CBS, right? Well, aren't we going to watch the Jim Nance, Tony Romo, late afternoon CBS 325 game no matter what? what? Who does it really matter who's calling the games? I think that's an interesting discussion. And I think that broadcasters certainly add a lot to it, and the best ones get the prime spots, and they get hired in those spots. They get paid a lot of money to do it. I understand the economy of it, but it is an interesting question to think about. Are you really tuning in specifically to see a certain broadcaster?
0: The answer is subconsciously, yes, people do this. Uh, Whether they actually pay attention to what's being said or not is a different question altogether. But there is a coolness factor there is a validation factor. I mean, there, there's a reason why Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland aren't calling Monday Night Football anymore. I mean, if it was just throw anything against the wall, people are going to watch Monday Night Football because it's prime time. They'd still be calling games at a much cheaper rate than what they're paying Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman to do it. So I disagree with John Skipper on that uh, because I mean, it's not as much about having people that you're wanting to listen to. It's about having people that don't run viewers off because they're so bad, either as a, a – t- I don't think Tessitore is bad at calling games. He was bad in that spot based on the uh, the arranged marriage that was Monday Night Football for that broadcast. That's just period, well, point blank, the truth of it. And, and now you have a, a seasoned and well-known tandem, a duo, taking over the Monday Night Football booth. That whether or not they're they're deserving of this, they're right in the upper echelon of the Monday Night Football broadcast aura of it. They're, it's the John Madden factor. It's the Al Michaels factor. There is validation and a coolness factor if they're calling your game. Same thing with John Gruden. Same things with with Nance and Romo. I mean, it's not as much about Nance and Romo calling the Chiefs game. It's the other teams that say, oh, it's a slap in the face they didn't choose our game this week because they're now on the road as Kansas City takes on Buffalo uh, for the 15th time over the last 20 years or whatever they want to, you know. There's a reason why you have marquee broadcast teams that pair well together and that draw the biggest ratings every year.
1: Well, let's go back to the Charles Barkley comparison that John Skipper laid out. Uh, I agree with that in terms of NBA studio shows. I don't know a single other NBA studio show other than inside the NBA And the biggest part of Inside the NBA is Charles Barkley and his impact on that broadcast. Totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. But Charles Barkley's not calling games. So it's an unfair comparison because Tom Brady's going to be calling games. Tony Romo, who makes a lot, is going to be calling games. You mentioned uh, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They call games, right? So are you drawn to the game more by who's broadcasting the game? And here's what I would argue. People are going to throw out, man, is Tom Brady really worth $37.5 million a year? To broadcast games and work with Fox? Does Tom Brady bring $37.5 million worth of revenue into Fox as a company? I think the answer to both those things are probably no. But here's why you pay Tom Brady that money. To say that you landed Tom Brady. Exactly. There is value in that. And I will go back to this. Tom Brady's not just doing football games for Fox. No. There's going to be a lot more going on with this that's going to make more sense as he he starts to do it. He is the face of Fox Sports.
0: He's not just the face of Fox NFL coverage. He is the face of Fox Sports now.
1: And he's one of the faces of the mass singer. I mean, this is my point. It's not just that. He's going to be doing movies. There's going to be documentaries, possibly, he's going to be a part of. There's going to be so many things they can do now with Tom Brady and, again... When you play ball at this high of a level, and you're one of these huge... If you're Amazon Prime, or you're Apple Plus now, or you're Fox or CBS or NBC, and you're paying these types of salaries to people, you are in the cachet business as much as anything else. And there is an enormous bit of gravitas to hiring and employing Tom Brady and having him a part of what you're doing. Well, that's why... It's because Tom Brady's not going to do it for much less than that. That's why you pay Tom Brady that money. He could easily walk in and go do something else. That's why you overpay for Tom Brady.
0: I've only read the quote. I haven't listened to the full interview with Dan Patrick and John Skipper, so full disclosure here when I bring this up. Here's the elephant in the room as to why it's only Charles Barkley. It's because bosses like John Skipper – make hosts apologize for comments that go against whatever brand the company wants to fit into when someone is offended. Charles Barkley doesn't apologize for crap. Point blank. And anybody at ESPN that makes a comment either way has to apologize on the air. Um, And that's why you don't have the opinions and you don't have the status of Charles Barkley on ESPN right now. And it's because of people like John Skipper that don't have a backbone to stand up and tell them, no, he will not apologize because he's speaking his opinion on something uh, just as the same way the other co-host did as well that day. That That's why Charles Barkley is what he... It, there's only certain people who can't be canceled anymore. Barkley's on that upper echelon tier of, of guys who meet that criteria. There should be more under that umbrella, quite frankly. And that's the reason why he can only name Charles Barkley. He didn't
1: name anyone he employed because he can't. You're right, and John Skipper would be the first to try to get Charles Barkley to apologize for something if he was working at ESPN at any point, which, thank God, Charles Barkley does not work for ESPN. I'll also say this. I'll carry it over to entertainment. There are a lot of successful comedians out there, but how many comedians would you say you have to see their latest stand-up? You've got to know what they said. I'll say the same about Charles Barkley. I need to know what Charles Barkley said about the NBA playoff game. Don't care what many other people said. I need to know what Barkley said about a big moment in an NBA game or an NBA playoff game, Dave Chappelle is that guy. Why is Dave Chappelle that guy? Because Netflix does not cancel him. Because Netflix does not fire him for saying things that are seen as anti-trans. They pay him more money for more specials and write a new memo to their employees saying, if you're not in line with artistic freedom and people saying what they want, this may not be the place for you moving forward. That's where Dave Chappelle wins. That's where Netflix, I think, ultimately wins. And that's why Dave Chappelle's worth the price of admission. And no one would argue that. You could hate what Dave Chappelle said. Fine. But you're going to want to watch the next Dave Chappelle special, right? And that's why he's worth the money. And that goes back in line with what John Skipper said about Charles Barkley. And there are a few people that you can say that about.
0: No doubt. and, and ho- Very few people. Hopefully we're moving past that a bit with some of the money that's being tossed around to these guys but there's still a framework and a structure that all of these commentators have to stay within especially with ESPN and ABC and Disney um, that's why we don't see more of what I mean you're here to tell me that there there aren't more ex-athletes who would speak their mind the way Barkley is allowed to do and but, hey for that matter Shaq and, and, if, there's a reason why Inside is the best studio show It's because they have the freedom and it's more of a relaxed feel to sit back and speak their mind on whatever issues going on. There's a trust factor that you're really getting the opinion of the person that's speaking yeah. on the other side of the television. That's valuable, and hopefully Brady's the no same way. No one's being held
1: back. No one's you being. You reined don't down. get
0: the sense that that's the case. There's no fear. Right. Meanwhile, every other week, someone at ESPN's having to issue an apology. Um, th- that's the difference. Coming up, uh, more headlines from the NFL schedule, big takeaways. We are 17 minutes away where uh, Koharski will check in with what Malik Willis had to say about uh, his relationship with Ryan Tannehill and much more. By the way, Malik Willis, rookie quarterback for the Titans, making his debut on the field today uh, with the Titans rookie minicamp. We'll get details on that and much more straight ahead on Outkick 360.
1: You ready? Showtime.
0: Coming up in 10 minutes, Paul Koharski will join us. PK will check in from Titans rookie minicamp, Malik Willis, Traylon Burks. The entire rookie class making their debut will focus on those two for good reason. Um, the third-round quarterback may be more talked about right now than the rookie first-round wide receiver who's replacing A.J. Brown. Details on that at 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern. Chad, every state that we're in currently, uh, and every state across the country, Every listener can relate to this. We all have that. There's one, two, three, four, maybe five head football coaches in high school that are revered. Chad Morris is one of them in the state of Texas for what he's done and the players he's coached, which includes Kyler Murray and Greg Little and Jalen Guyton and others. I mean, he, he has coached a powerhouse in his past of high school athletes that have gone on to do great things at the collegiate and pro level. He returned briefly as the head coach of a high school program in Texas, but resigned today to focus more on going back with an emphasis to college football. We know what he did at Clemson. We know he failed at Arkansas. But here is the timing of this is why I bring this up. It's rare that a change like this happens in May, months before You get going at high school or or college with the season and all the practices.
1: He was so disastrously bad. He was terrible. At Arkansas. I mean, one of the three or four worst hires in SEC history, when you look at how little he accomplished at Arkansas, that I don't think it's a head coaching opportunity that he'd be going to. Now, is there an offensive coordinator spot that may be coming open or that he's looking at right now that we're going to find out soon he's taking? It's just college a, it's um, a
0: college if, football opportunity is all that that was said. He's looking for a college
1: football opportunity. So my mind immediately no, goes no, no, to... No, no, he, no.
0: He is leaving for a college football opportunity. That's the report from but, the high school reporter in that local town who, who's giving a reason for why he resigned. I don't know what it is. No one has been able to pick up on it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I... That could be that could be read any you know one of two ways. He's leaving because he's going to a college football opportunity now, or he's leaving for the chance of a college football opportunity. That's where he wants to coach. It's one of two things. He's got a job as an analyst for Nick Saban or an offensive that, coordinator that, that's somewhere totally small. Fair. Yeah, it could or be Or he's got back into high school and said, "Yeah, I'm past this." I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to leave and I'll wait out a year if I need to and then get a college job.
0: The the, the way the report reads this is the Allen High School coach confirmed uh, the, the, I guess the interim confirmed that Morris has been presented with the opportunity to return to co- to the college football ranks. So that could mean analysts or something. But that's still odd. The timing of all that is very odd. Well, that's why that's why I bring it up because is, is there some is there a scandal or is there a is there an abrupt well, firing I, because of...
1: When I see famous head coach that we know or famous coach that we know resigns from a high school program, I immediately think scandal, right? Me too. But he's saying he's leaving for a college opportunity. So, again, one of two things. He's leaving for an eventual opportunity. He has an opportunity as an analyst or a coordinator or a position coach somewhere yeah. now. Or, again, it could just be as simple as I got back into high school coaching and thought, I'm past this, I don't want to do it, I'm going to leave for hopefully a college opportunity that i'll get soon so
0: his son but there are others that are trying to make the connections for chad morris his son recently uh enrolled and is a sophomore now i believe at tcu of course there's new uh new coaching regime there um his former job at smu was recently filled by Rhett lashley so ret lashley is the head coach at smu there's a connection there for chad morris um north texas is another program that's right around the high school where he coached and i think people roll their eyes at the high school thing keep in mind like these are powerhouse programs in texas that i mean if you're from a a directional school like i am the high school stadiums in texas are massive compared to the directional college programs and football teams that i'm a fan of so it's I mean, a different ballgame. also completely different. There's the money's also, different, everything. There's
1: also a precedent of successful high school to college coaches in that state. Art Bryles. Yes. Uh, Sonny Dykes. Joey McIntyre, who's now at Texas Tech, was a high school legend. And he's doing great things in recruiting because he's recruiting the state of Texas. So there is precedent for that. Gus Malzahn is another guy who was a high school legend in Arkansas and then stepped up to coordinator at Arkansas and eventually head coach at Auburn. So... There are examples of this recently of guys going from high school to college with great success. Coming up,
0: Koharski weighs in on his observations from Titans minicamp. Important because the Titans, according to the national media, made one of the biggest splashes in the NFL draft in value selections, drafting Malik Willis in the third round. How did his debut go on the field? PK joins us live next on Outkick 360, live from 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville.